easy, and it's always free. Just call 1-855-573-8227 or visit kpft.org to donate your old vehicle. Thanks for your support. This is 90.1 KPFT Houston. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep, 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 yeah. Chasing after paper, friends and enemies, good and bad energy, mal de ojo, affecting culture, psychology, bad vibes can damage you and your circle, wrong intentions from so-called friends can hurt you, watch the life you're living, keep them at a distance, they'd rather see you missing than healthy and uplifted, so you get this chance in this life to make a difference, people that surround you will affect conditions, live in space, positive, how I live, yes I try to, weather stormy, great day, our outside sky blue, work through the pain from the out and the inside, Embrace the joy and avoid the evil eye. Tuning into Latino Politics and News with Tony Diaz on 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston, Texas. The era of Hispandering is over. Thanks for tuning into Latino Politics and News. This is Tony Diaz. Today we're bringing you a one-hour special on the nonprofit organization, The Alliance. Their mission is is to create opportunities for refugees, immigrants, and other underserved residents to achieve their goals for self-sufficiency and improve their quality of life. To that end, we'll be talking to their CEO and president, Dan Stoker. We'll also be talking to Michelle Remy Maillet, who is the overseer of their entrepreneurial programs there at the Alliance. And of course, we believe that a lot of the values that they pursue and the practices that they implement epitomize what we hope to achieve for our community, albeit perhaps in the field of arts, but there's a lot of overlap. And what we have in common is that we want to empower our communities. We want to start a dialogue with every organization possible to try and develop new and innovative ways to do that. I also want to thank our crew for donating their community cultural capital to bringing you this show week in and week out. Rodrigo Bravo is our sound engineer who interweaves the interviews with great music. We also want to thank our intern, Gabriela Vasquez, who's helping a lot with our promotions. And we want to welcome some voices you're familiar with. Liana Lopez will be coming back to co-produce and co-host. And once again, Leti Lopez will be helping with research infrastructure, and spreading the word. 
We also want to thank Roxana Guzman, who helps us promote our work through her amazing graphics and art. And finally, we want to thank you, dear listener. We appreciate your continued support. Please visit the website kpft.org and click on the contribution button to make a donation in the name of Latino Politics and News so that we can do our part to make sure that KPFT 90.1 FM, your community station, stays on the air and continues this work. This is Tony Diaz. Please stay tuned. Tus labios son mi vicio Por un beso tuyo todo lo arriesgo Y tu corazón palpita con el mío Es el tempo perfecto Beso a beso me di cuenta que Te necesito y yo al caer Así como eres yo quiero tenerte for tuning in to Latino Politics and News. This is Tony Diaz. You're joining us for a one-hour special on the nonprofit organization, The Alliance. They have been serving the greater Houston area for over 35 years. Their mission is to create opportunities for refugees, immigrants, and other underserved residents to achieve their goals for self-sufficiency and improve their quality of life. They offer a number of comprehensive social service programs that address the complex challenges community members face to realizing their dreams. We're happy to welcome to the airwaves the CEO of the Alliance, Dan Stoker. Dan, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks. I'm uh, glad to be with you, Antonio. Now, there's a lot of ground to cover because you're dealing with a particular constituency that is coming from different countries, have different practices, but there's a lot of needs that overlap the, the community. First, tell us a little bit about the origins of the organization, because you've been tackling some of these issues for decades. Yes, the organization has. The formation was by mutual assistance. A number of different ethnic groups came together and thought that they could work better by unifying their resources and relationships and uh, leveraging for advocacy. Uh, and so a number of organizations of different ethnicities joined and formed what is now called the Alliance. Uh, our legal name is Alliance for Multicultural Community Services, but we're no known as the Alliance. And uh, that from there it evolved and grew to a 501c3 nonprofit corporation uh, within a year and then the organization started looking at what are the gaps in services? What are the gaps in advocacy that's needed? Uh, and so it focused on those kinds of outreach activities and developing and, and providing not only networking people to services, but providing those services themselves. Then uh, uh, as the uh, 
the refugee and immigrant issues, uh, those new communities continued to be challenged. The Alliance became a refugee resettlement agency designated by the uh, U.S. Department of State and uh, became one of the largest in Texas for a while there and uh, um, started growing that whole center of programs for refugees and immigrant populations. Uh, and then it grew and developed uh, other areas. Right now, we actually uh, divide them by centers to simplify things for people. Our Center for New Americans is the one that deals with refugees, asylees, human trafficking survivors, and other immigrant services. Then we have our Center for Literacy and Advancement, we provide a wide range of financial coaching and counseling programs there, uh, workforce development, adult literacy with uh, ESL, uh, getting people started with uh, developing, uh, um, getting ready for workforce development uh, for jobs. Then our uh, Center for Entrepreneurship, we think we are very focused on helping people move forward economically. And a lot of people want to start their own businesses or they are, their own entrepreneurs and business people. Any uh, individuals out there who are contractors, you are an entrepreneur. You're, uh, you're your own business person as a contra contractor. So we try to empower people that way. And we have childcare entrepreneurship programs, uh, our community cloth uh, for refugee artists and women. We have a small business development program. We're also an SBA micro lender uh, as well to help with those businesses. And then we have a Alliance Language Network, which is a translation and interpretation uh, business. So it helps a lot of people uh, in the community to gain employment as trained uh, translators and interpreters. Uh, and then we can provide services to our partners, uh, the school districts, uh, businesses uh, that are uh, needing to make sure they can uh, uh, provide those services to the people that have uh, uh, other language needs. And then finally, we have our Center for Resiliency, we call it. That's where we have a uh, mental health, a behavioral health wellness clinic. We also, uh, with full counseling, uh, psychiatric and psychology and child psychology services. Uh, we have a domestic violence mental health helpline. And then we have a resiliency team that helps people with disasters. We're a very established disaster response organization, very involved with Harvey. Uh, in recent years, uh, in this past year, considerable amount of work in pan with pandemic assistance, uh, helping people stay in homes, uh, find a way to stabilize. Uh, so we have uh, that whole center that provides considerable amount of uh, disaster services, including some new ones that we're involved with right now. Uh, so that's kind of a general overview. Uh, in that Center for New Americans, we also have uh, we're a host and a partner with Baylor's Human Rights and Asylum Clinic. And that is where people that are coming across from the border and needing help getting uh, tested, evaluated, uh, supported, uh, those that have already legal representation. Uh, we provide uh, mental health and social services for those individuals in partnership with uh, Baylor College of Medicine. And we're now looking at how we're gonna be involved with that Central American Minors Program. Uh, because as we know, that's a, a challenge again with a surge of young people coming across, but it's not the first time that that's happened. So uh, those, that's kind of a, a general range of uh, the scope of services that we uh, have evolved to to this day. And we operate our headquarters in the Gulfton, Southwest Houston area. And we have satellite offices in Acres Homes, Magnolia Park, and we're about to open in Sunnyside. And we also are in Fort Bend County in uh, Stafford at the United Way Center there because we're a United Way organization also. That's fantastic. And of course, you're speaking our language. I, I do want to pause because some folks that may be tuning in <laughs> may realize you've got about 15 shows worth of topics that you've touched. <laughs> and uh, what I do want to tell folks is that I want them to put this into context because actually Latino politics and news is part of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say, which I founded in 1998. So right now we have two organizations that have about 58 years. I'm going to round up. I'm going to be generous. <laughs> Six decades Hello. of working in the community at several levels. And 
we understand the language you're speaking because you've really humanized the demographic in different ways. I think typically some folks may say, hey, why is Latino politics in news? Because for different reasons, we have the name Latino in our title of this show. Why are they speaking to this non-Latino organization? But I think as you mentioned, describing the evolution of your organization several decades ago, several multicultural organizations, which Houston is made up of several cultures, decided to come together and say, hey, there's many ways our missions overlap. How can we multiply our efforts? And I commend that because that's not the easy road. What are some of these very different countries that you work with? And what are some of the bridges that you see among all of our communities? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and when we, we talk about being a multicultural uh, organization and multicultural services we provide, uh, like the Houston metro area, you know, the diversity that we find in the communities, uh, we, we, our staff speaks 30 different languages. Uh, we are, our staff looks like the community. And even with uh, Latino communities uh, that are here, we have access points both for Spanish and of course there's indigenous languages too. And so we have uh, those individuals on our staff or we have our Alliance Language Network that can instantly provide language access to somebody that may come by and speak with a staff member that might not have that particular lang uh, language skill. We wanna make sure nobody gets turned away because of those kinds of barriers. And so that, uh, so we have quite a few Spanish speaking staff, both in senior management, frontline management and direct staff all throughout the organization because it wouldn't be able to serve Houston properly if we didn't uh, have uh, uh, that kind of complexity within our organization. So that's very important to us, but we also look at, there's two unique things in addition to the uh, Latino community, we have all the other newcomers that come from a wide range of locations around the world uh, and with refugees that, that are in asylees that are coming from Central America or uh, uh, from Mexico or other areas, there are people uh, that are coming in from uh, Africa. It's a lot of people from Central African Republic uh, right now. Uh, people from Horn, Horn of Africa countries like uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea and Somalia. And then uh, we have uh, individuals that are coming in from uh, Southeast Asia like uh, uh, the, the Burmese uh, are coming in now too. So we have people from uh, all over the world that are coming to Houston uh, and we're making sure we're welcoming everybody so they can uh, find their path to, to belong and uh, be able to then have access to those opportunities uh, that everybody else has in an equitable way. That's what we're dedicated to. The other area I was gonna mention with individuals is as we, are serving newcomers, there are also other communities here that are multi-generational, people that have been here for quite a long time, and uh, they have been left out too. You read our mission statement, and we talked about other underserved communities. That's those communities too, and so that's why we, uh, the mayor, some of the council members asked us to come into uh, Acres Homes because they knew our work, and we look at a neighborhood as having a unique culture. It doesn't just have to be somebody who's a newcomer. Neighborhoods have cultures, and that's how the Alliance approaches the communities we work with. You have a unique culture, you have unique opportunities, you have unique needs. How can we be there to help you move to where you want to go? And that, that's kind of, so that, So we're, we also work with uh, uh, Anglo, Hispanic, African-American community individuals as well too that are uh, uh, in those kinds of situations. And what I like about this sophisticated approach is that you also acknowledge that, yes, there's definitely part of the constituency of our community that needs help because they're in crisis mode. Some folks, as you alluded to, may be generations into the American experience or were perhaps professionals in their home countries so that their needs, while they overlap with some of the folks that are in crisis situations, also involve a lot of professional issues and some folks too want to increase their ability to to make a living and in different ways here in houston 
And it sounds like a very smart way that you've cultivated with your infrastructure and, and your approach to make room for those folks as well so that they can use skills that they maybe perhaps didn't think they could put at, to work here or perhaps didn't even know the rules or paperwork they had to jump through. No, that's part of it. We find most people are just amazingly resourceful. The, 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 the fellow newcomers that come here or the people that have been here are amazingly resilient and contribute to just, it's the American story for generations and makes such a difference. We want to empower those people to have that access because if they're starting a business, they're hiring their neighbors, okay? And then they're increasing the tax base to benefit the whole community. And we find a lot of these uh, individuals that you're talking about, uh, they tend to give back. They volunteer, they donate uh, also to help us with our with the with the uh, programs and services we're offering to others that they might mentor uh, other individuals too. Most people that we work with uh, over time, once they get situated, uh, like many Americans uh, and American residents, they uh, choose to give back and they're very generous about that too. So. Uh, that that's something we're excited. We love it when we see that kind of circle, that full circle that comes, uh, and then of course the pride that those individuals have, not only in their accomplishments, but in being able to give back. And I got to experience some of those life changing stories, some of that pride and culture, and just the excitement to work in the community. When I had the uh, pleasure of attending, this is pre COVID, okay, so it feels like it was hundred years ago. Uh, but it was one of your uh, dinners, and not only did it have food from all around the world to enjoy, but it was a really cool mix of different folks. And you also had, of course, movers and shakers from the city and the state. But most importantly, you had some of the folks who are in your programs talking about how your your the work of your organization has touched your lives. And those were Wonderful to hear. Fill us in on that because I know I know I get a little intense. So I want our listeners to understand that there's so much joy in this work. Yeah, Tony, there is joy, and, and I'm so glad you were able to uh, uh, participate in that event and experience it. Uh, we call it United We Dine because it represents what we're about as an agency. But when people come. They see a community of people, the, the donors, the uh, participants, the partners, and others there. They look around, it's like, I belong here. I'm, I'm included, everybody's here. This is so amazingly multi-ethnic and, and diverse. And to us, that's normal. That's the world we, that's the world that's there. Uh, we love to be facilitating that, highlighting it. And then we create kind of a food festival. You have your tables, but instead of you being served, you go around to all the different ethnic restaurants. And many of them are where our, our clients, they're with former refugees or they're entrepreneurs we helped. Uh, and so you can get your tacos and your sushi and all kinds of different food. Uh, and, uh, and everybody, and it's very social too. Uh, a lot of networking that goes on. And then the program uh, creates an opportunity for us to not only uh, highlight people that have made a big difference in the community, but then we get to share with uh, a lot of the people there because some of them are our donors. Uh, they get to see the people they've helped. And we have these uh, entrepreneurs or these people that might have got their nursing certification training uh, to get up and tell their stories. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're proud about themselves and we're all proud for them, too. And that really was a wonderful, uh, fantastic, fun event. But doing a lot of important, deep work, of course, that was pre-COVID. So how has your organization had to respond to some of the challenges of the COVID-19 shutdown? And what does that look like for your work? Yeah, that's uh, like many. That was a challenge for all our businesses and organizations and our staff. But we chose, we closed uh, our facility went remote before uh, we received such guidance from uh, uh, public health and emergency management folks in the city and the county. We went ahead and did that so that our team could get used to what that was going to be like. We, so we could figure out our technological needs to ensure we could create continuity of service to the communities that really were going to need even our help more than ever. And so once we've got used to that, we started reaching out and contacting 
individuals to find out about how they were doing with with uh, with their family's health, with their uh, financial stability conditions, and then connecting them with resources. And then we we continued our programs and services. And we, uh, we've never stopped providing all, all of our services and programs, uh, working remote and sometimes going out to uh, apartment complexes to, uh, to deliver materials, to help people get signed, always using personal protection protocols during those times. Uh, but we found one of the big challenges that a lot of the people we work with did not have the technology access or skills, perhaps, uh, to be able to interact with us to continue program work remotely. So we had to work with donors and other individuals. It's how do you get these children and how do you get these adults to be able to have uh, the right apps or to have the uh, uh, a laptop or to uh, have the internet service that can support being at home in it. And so we spent a lot of our time for a couple months to ensure people could continue getting services to help them get set up with the new technology. So we had to get them the resources and then we had to uh, provide the education uh, and support. And of course, we're learning together too. Our team had to learn a lot of new things as well. And that, that was a big challenge in the first few months. And then also we did a lot of donate rental assistance programs, we still do. Uh, uh, emergency uh, financial assistance programs, which we still do. Uh, a lot of food distribution events which we still do, including recently because of the winter storm uh, in a lot of different neighborhoods. Uh, but in that process, the, the way we do it is we go into the neighborhoods and uh, because people and make deliveries too. A lot of our clients we know are homebound for various reasons uh, and or they just don't have cars and they can't take five kids and walk you know, a mile. So we arrange to uh, deliver food if they needed food or other kinds of supplies. Uh, in addition to having the drive-through or the walk-up activities at our event. So that's kind of how we've adapted and uh, worked this year. We have an amazing team. Uh, so they've continued doing their all, their regular work and now they're doing all the extra uh, community support work uh, and helping people at, at, at these different kinds of events. That sounds fantastic. And I said earlier, you're giving us enough material for 15 shows. Make that 30 shows, I do have to resist. <laughs> leaning in on so many of those fascinating components because this is going to kick off, I hope, a, a long-term friendship and collaboration between our organizations. And we need to get ready now for the post-COVID-19 era. So what do you have in store now that this, the opening up of Texas is coming? We're going to wait for the appropriate time and, and the vaccination to be spread equitably and fairly throughout the city and state. But it's coming. And how can our listeners help you? Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, there's a couple things right now to know uh, before about how they can help to know what uh, is, is happening. There is a huge rental assistance programs rolling out. And I know there was some confusion about some in the past. Uh, and maybe some landlords were reluctant to sign up or try to get things uh, taken care of in coordination with their tenants. Uh, we're there to help. Uh, we can uh, help people with that. Uh, there's a lot of resources now. Uh, we're, so we have programs uh, that are provi providing rental assistance and providing case management support, uh, helping people to stay. Our goal right now is, you know, we're, we are getting ready to go to recovery, like you said. We're still kind of in response, though. We, we need to make sure people stay in homes, that they don't become homeless, they don't become evicted. Uh, they can get until they can get back on their feet. So there's a lot of resources for that. And so we're really focusing on that right now. Uh, and then we have our financial coaching and assistance programs to help people kind of get their finances back in place, their budgets, uh, or to help them get a new job if they need a new job, those kinds of things that we're, uh, uh, we're working on. And so any type of uh, donations and assistance uh, is really helpful. Uh, people, whether they'd like to volunteer as coaches or uh, provide assistance for the organization, uh, that would be, you know, that would be really beneficial. And of course, they can do that through our website, which is thealliancetx.org, uh, to be able to do that. And uh, or if they have questions, they can connect, contact us that way too. And so I think right now to realize there's considerable amount of help uh, that can be. Uh, to help people get stabilized, 
and to get ready to make it to the other side when we start moving into recovery. When we're at, I, I'm kind of thinking we're at the post, uh, when we have enough people vaccinated by this summer and we know we can start vaccinating the children to get them ready for school again, uh, I think that's when uh, things are gonna be opening back up. But a lot of people might still be left behind because maybe the job they had mm -hmm. isn't there. So we're there to, we'll be there to help people uh, to get reemployed, to, to move into a different area. Uh, and then of course our, our behavioral health, our mental health clinic, our counseling services are there. Uh, they're multilingual. Uh, and we know it's been a tough year. And sometimes you just need to get that spirit of resiliency back again. You need to get you centered uh, uh, to regain your hope and joy. And uh, you know our team is there to help with that too, so that you can move forward and take advantage of uh, the new opportunities that are gonna be there after we get through this post COVID era. Well, thank you for calling in. We have been talking to Dan Stoker. He is CEO of the Alliance. And we hope that we can spread the word through this one-hour special in your organization. Thank you for taking the time, and thanks for all the work that you do. Antonio, thank you for everything you do for the community. And we really appreciate this opportunity, and uh, we look forward to uh, helping any of your listeners or working with those that would like to help donate or volunteer. Que rico huele ese perfumito Cristian Dior Me sube la nota como un ascensor Si no hay humo, tú sabes que hay alcohol Tú sabes que hay alcohol, sí Me gusta tu cuerpo, dímelo mami Ese burrito lo hiciste en Miami Ponte pa' mí pa' yo ponerme pa' ti Ese culo es criminal como Nati Papi, gasto en tu cuerpo lo que vale un Bugatti A mí dámelo de gratis Te monto en la Ducati y la combi si no son Tú sabes que son Versace y si me mata yo te mato Dile a tu gato La cuenta parece que muevo aparato Si te cojo te es barato Baby yo te sigo en la máquina si le metes bellaco Tú quieres duro, yo te doy duro Tú quieres duro, todas las puertas sí seguro Las 40 los majones, cabrón yo soy el duro Ese culito me lo lleve pa' lo oscuro Y sabe que no es fea Ropa de marca pa' que vean La carterita Fotito no la comparto. Si tú me dejas, yo te parto. Antes que lleguemos al cuarto. Qué rico huele ese perfumito, Cristian Dior. Me sube la nota como un ascensor. Si no hay humo, tú sabes que hay alcohol. Tú sabes que hay alcohol, sí. Me gusta tu cuerpo, dímelo, mami. Ese burrito lo hiciste en Miami. Ponte pa' mí, pa' yo ponerme pa' ti. tuning in to Latino Politics and News. This is Tony Diaz. You're joining us for our one-hour special on the Alliance. They are a nonprofit organization that's been serving the greater Houston area for over 35 years. Their mission is to create opportunities for refugees, immigrants, and other underserved residents to achieve their goals for self-sufficiency and improve their quality of life. They offer a number of comprehensive social services programs that address the complex challenges community members face to realizing their dreams. And to speak about one of those important components, because it is really is a wide spectrum that is a really smart approach to some of these issues, we'll be speaking with Michelle Remy Maillet. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you. And you joined the Alliance in 2019 as an AmeriCorps VISTA. And after years of service, you joined the Alliance as a program coordinator for the Community Cloth, a micro enterprise supporting refugee women artisans, which is incredible. And now you oversee the organization's entrepreneurial program 
which provides micro loans and technical support to aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. That is really amazing. Tell us a little bit about the community cloth. And I had the privilege of attending one of your award banquets back before the COVID-19 shutdown. So it was a little while ago, but I remember hearing one woman speak about what happened to her life after she received one of these micro loans and it really was touching and moving. Tell folks a little about the basics of this program. So the Community Cloth has been around for 10 years. It was originally founded by Roxanne Paiva, and then it was essentially um, absorbed into the Alliance in June of 2017. When I joined the Alliance in 2019, I helped my supervisor, Jim Wynn, uh, with the program, and that's how I got familiar with it. And then in 2020, I started working as the program coordinator. And the Community Cloth, it's a really special program. You know, we focus on five key components, which is empowering women, teaching them about peer wellness and support, teaching them about financial literacy, and also showing them marketing opportunities by selling their indigenous craft and wares on our online platform and through our social media and special events that we attend throughout the city. And are the, the program, constituents yeah. all from Houston? No, so our artisans are from various parts of the world. Currently we have or we represent 13 countries from Nepal to Saudi Arabia to Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Burma, all sorts of places. Great. And now, how is that different than the entrepreneurial program? So the entrepreneurial program is a program that started just recently this past year. The program focuses on clients or people in the community who want to start a small business or who have a, a small business. And essentially, I assist them with um, all sorts of technical assistance. It could be anywhere from marketing to social media to budgeting. And I work in tandem with the small business program officer, Daniel Liu, who shows those clients once they've reached a certain step in the business owning process, how to get SBA microloans, and how to apply and navigate for resources that the community may offer. And how do you meet and engage with some of the folks who enter and have an idea, aren't sure how to flesh it out, but then get more information from you? So a lot of our referrals are clients that are parts of other programs already in the Alliance. Unlike um, the entrepreneurial program, the community cloth is woman-centered, so it's mostly and solely women clients that have been assisted through refugee resettlement program in the Alliance, and the entrepreneurial program is open to anybody. So we do uh, social media coordination and we post flyers on forums and stuff like that around the city where clients can see our information. We do radio interviews such as this one and um, we do them in English and Spanish and in Vietnamese and people will call in or email us. And depending on what step they're in on their business owning journey is where we decide whether they see me or they speak with Daniel. And it doesn't matter conceptually if the client is just at the idea point of their journey or has actually, you know, established a brick and mortar store or has an online business. We help with any step in the process and we welcome all businesses. It's not just specific business advice that we give. It's advice on any kind of business that anybody can have. It ranges from people who want to sell dog food to people who make jewelry, you know, people who um, sell, sell specific kinds of food or sell specific kinds of clothing. Um, so it really ranges. 
And can you give us a few examples of some of the entrepreneurs or their businesses that you've helped facilitate? Yeah, so uh, I actually have one. I have a couple of uh, the refugee artists and women that work with the community clause who are now part of the entrepreneurial program. And one especially has started her own e-commerce jewelry website. And she sells traditional Nepali jewelry. She gets it imported from Nepal and she sells it here in the U.S. And um, she learned how to run her business by first being a self-contractor at the community cloth and selling her craft and wares. And then myself or my team members will go and assist with starting her Facebook page or showing her how to post content or take photos. And then what maybe if she wants to sell solely online, what kind of online websites are available to her, what her budget looks like. Um, so that's one of our clients. I had another client um, who, he is a mural artist and he came, he was a referral from a different program and he's been here for over 20 years and his dream was to just um, be an artist full time. So then his business is himself essentially and what I did was navigate through maybe some contracts that the city may have for him to apply to. We got him established on all his social media so that people could see, you know, the 20 years of experience he has. And now he's doing that full time with the hopes that in the next couple of years, he'll have his own gallery and maybe space somewhere in the city. That's really cool. And you're speaking the language of our listeners because a lot of them are either poets, writers, or visual artists who are engaging in that as well. So it's fantastic that you can help folks lean into what is a, it's joyful, but complicated. So it's nice for you to cut through the red tape and, and show the path to, to some folks. So explain how it fits into the bigger picture, because I think what's fantastic is that your mission is very straightforward. You want to help uh, folks that are in need uh, you mentioned refugees, immigrants, and the underserved. And I think people imagine some basic essential needs, but it sounds like you've also identified other ways to help people long term. So obviously, this is one part of your mission, but it seems you also have some, uh, if it's a triage, some very emergency crisis situations you probably address first or alternately, no? Yeah, so essentially whenever a client comes to the Alliance, they can be in what we could consider crisis mode. You know, I need rental assistance, I need food assistance, Medicaid or health insurance insurance assistance. And that was those services will be what they generally receive first. And then once you get to know your clients and you get to talk to them about what their life experiences were, where they came from, some are former business owners or some have some sort of dream of becoming some kind of entrepreneur. And what you notice is that when refugees and immigrants come to the U.S., there are many obstacles they face. And it's not just language barriers that they have to get through. It's, you know, building the resources that they might have had in their community where they're from and coming here and starting fresh and clean. So we see the need and we help them in any way we can. And if that's, you know, helping them gain the confidence to go out and maybe, you know, post some content if they're artists or if they work in that medium or space, if it's signing up for some kind of service or a loan that they might not have known because, you know, they don't, they didn't have the information prior to coming to the Alliance. It's helping them um, get established with partner agencies we might work with and then just establishing them where they are self-sufficient. They may no longer us at some point in their life. I also want to remind our listeners that we also are very familiar with the fact that there may be some folks who were professionals, lawyers or doctors in their home country, but those licenses are no longer recognized. So when you say start over, they may have to face that issue 
and they may have talents that they don't realize can be transferable. And even for instructors, we've got folks born in this country who will take composition courses and some are millennials who we all think are adept at being online and they don't know how to navigate online or Microsoft Word or some of these other things. So I think it's fantastic that you're approaching it in a way that's organic to these folks who are at different levels. We mentioned the emergency level. You mentioned you'll, you'll work with anyone. So do folks don't have to be in a crisis situation to work with you. Is that the case? Yeah. And um, like any program, we may have some requirements uh, for people to join as a client, but it's definitely program-based. So each program will have its own set of requirements that they need to go through. And um, ours has a couple, but they're not anything that you would consider um, – too great an obstacle for people to join. And you've got different offices throughout the city. Tell us about those offices and then also tell us how you're dealing with the COVID-19 shutdown. So we have uh, three other offices. We have one in Acres Home, we have one in um, the Magnolia Research Center, and we have one in, uh, I believe, Fort Bend. And we we're a very uh, face-to-face kind of organization. Our clients come to us daily, and when COVID-19 first started, switching gears and becoming more of a remote, um, online kind of operating uh, agency was challenging at first, but it didn't take very long for all of us to, you know, kind of hit the ground running because we focus on the needs of the community. So we want to ensure that we are successfully delivering any resources, help and services that we can when it is in much need, which was the case. And what we do now is we've, you know, um, We've started doing phone calls, Zoom calls. Everything is more online now. And some of our clients may not be very familiar with, you know, how to work maybe Microsoft Office Suite or maybe not even, you know, a dual phone call or a messenger Facebook phone call. So we have to adapt to whatever the need is and whatever the need the client may have. And we can't stress enough how we will find whatever way or solution that we can to assist the clients. And that's what we've been doing mostly during COVID. The office is open at 25% capacity, I believe. So a lot of uh, our clients can still call in and get an in-person face-to-face meeting, but we do follow all CDC guidelines and regulations to ensure the safety of the staff and our clients. Excellent. Now, you mentioned that you're dealing with folks that are coming from all different countries. Tell us some of those countries, but then also let's talk about where it overlaps with the Latino experience, because I think that's one thing that people don't quite understand about Houston. They believe one area is Latino and the other is not. Uh, you know, We know every Houston city, <laughs> city council district is Latino, but at the same time, it, they are all mixes of folks. So give us a rundown of some of the countries. Yeah, so essentially any country you can think of, you know, we have anywhere from, like I mentioned earlier, anywhere in Asia, so Nepal and Burma and India, and then we have, you know, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, France. And then, you know, I do work with a lot of the Latino community. So we have Venezolanos, we have Colombianos, Dominicanos, uh, Mexicanos, all kinds of people. And um, it is interesting that you said that because I have noticed, you know, some people believe, oh, you know, um, it's only a certain kind of uh, Latin American person that you may find here or Hispanic person that you may find here. And most people think, um, you know, it's probably just people from Mexico, but you would be very interested to know, you know, a lot of a lot of people resettle from all over the world and especially from South America and Houston. And we have a big, big 
Latino community in Fort Bend County and in Katy. So uh, yeah, those are some of the communities we work with. And actually Fort Bend really, I think is an interesting area that we probably need to pay more attention to because as you mentioned, there's a growing Latino population, but it appears to me that it's organizing very differently than Houston may have organized. Uh, how old is your Fort Bend office out there? It's not too old. It's maybe about, I can't say for certain, but I believe two to three years we've been out there. And, and that's pretty new. So we'll have to touch bases again later to compare notes to see how, how uh, Fort Bend organizes itself into the future. So do you need help from the community? Obviously, if we know of folks, we should refer them. So we'll ask you for the website and the process. But obviously, besides donations and volunteering, what are some specific ways folks can either get involved or help out? So I feel like, uh, you know, especially in the Latino community, I'd love to see more people referred to the agency. Um, I have Latino clients, but I don't have many, and I would love to help the Latino community. Uh, I myself immigrated here to the U.S. with my family, and I personally, you know, I watched my parents struggle to learn the language and, you know, find jobs and get the assistance that they needed when they first came. And I think it's very important that we build up our community. And it doesn't matter what need there is or what problem people are facing, you know, they can come to the Alliance and seek services. So I would definitely recommend that the community refer out. We have many, many programs and many opportunities for all kinds of people. They don't have to be just entrepreneurs or immigrants or anything like that. It's just building that network. So um, like you said earlier, people can volunteer, they can donate. Uh, we're always looking for the assistance of the public to just get our name out there, you know, a little bit of word of mouth, posting content, resharing our content on social media is a big way that people can help. And you don't have to be at the agency to do that. You can just press a button and, you know, give us a little bit more exposure in the community. And maybe by doing so, you can assist someone else and they will get referred into the agency. That's great to know. So you do have room and you do have capacity to help more Latinos. I also like that you're breaking down the wide range because perhaps some folks think, well, only if this familia is under duress or in crises. It sounds like you offer a lot for a wider spectrum, but I really do like that if there are professionals from other countries who may be frustrated that they can't break into a higher level rate of pay or don't have the time or energy to go back to law school or medical school. Um, this may be one way that they can get some resources to start planning, not right away or maybe right away, but down the line to start their own businesses. Or it sounds like you've been able to leverage products from other countries that would have a home with U.S. consumers too. And, and these folks would be able to be conduits for that. Yeah, essentially, you know, um, we, we have a range of services. And for, you know, people who come from different countries who have professions and who may have had businesses in their respected communities back home, they can come to the Alliance and we have anywhere from, you know, education programs. We have the Financial Opportunity Center where people can get job readiness training. They can get workshops in, you know, how to interview properly here because that might be something that they're you know, lacking. Um, and then get some tips and tricks on, you know, how to best change their resume, update their resume even. I do that a lot for my clients. I'll update your resume for you. And that way, you know, with the hopes that you'll put it out there and we'll help you get it out there and you'll get that job that you've been needing or wanting. 
That's really cool because that costs money. <laughs> that costs money, and exactly like you say, if someone's gonna seriously pursue different job opportunities, they also have to fine tune it for specific fields versus the same one for for every single place. So that's fantastic. There's a lot of nuances that that you address there. Please give out the website and the ways people can reach you. Yeah, so the website is thealliancetx.org. The website is in, um, you can change it from English to Spanish to French to Arabic. So, (laughs) yeah, we have a a range of languages. We also have a language network in-house at the Alliance, and it serves, I believe, about... I'm going to see right here right now. It's about uh, over 70 languages. So people will be very surprised to know. If you call the Alliance, we will have someone somewhere that speaks your language and can get you assistance. That sounds like a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) We also, yeah, you can find us also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Alliance. And um, our phone number is 713-776-4700. And if you have just regular information, you can email us at info at org, and someone will be referred to you. Fantastic. Well, in closing, Michelle, it sounds like you love the place. Uh, could- Convince, touch our, one of our listeners' hearts and, and tell them why you believe so much in this institution and that they should get involved. Well, like I said earlier, you know, uh, I myself, I am an immigrant. I came here from Caracas, Venezuela. I was born there. I came at three months old. So I had the opportunity to grow up in the U.S. and get an education and learn the language and not have to go through so many of the obstacles that other people might have, like my parents. And every client that walks in the door, I see my family or someone that I know in them. And that, to me, is very important because I would love to help anyone at any time, however I can. And the Alliance's mission to create equal opportunities for the underserved population is something that I think everyone should strive for because we are all people. We all need help at some point and the agency is a great place to start. We've been around for over 30 years, so if you ask me, I think we're doing something right. Fantastic. We've been chatting with Michelle Remy Maillet, who is the overseer of the entrepreneurial program for the amazing Alliance. Thank you for all you do and thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much. is growing. Coming up on April 8th, 2021, KPFT will be doing upgrades to our transmitter location. During this time, we will be off the air for approximately four hours beginning at 9 a.m. But not to worry, you can always listen online at kpft.org. We thank you so much for your support and we continue to grow thanks to you. Go to kpft.org. You can also call 713-526-5738. It's because of listeners like you. KPFT continues to grow and flourish. We cannot thank you enough. Again, we will be off the air for our transmitter upgrades coming up on April 8th at 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And listen online at kpft.org. On your smartphone, you can download the Pacifica Radio app. Thank you so much for supporting Houston's community station. We are 90.1 KPFT FM and FM HD1 Houston. 
This is Juan Gonzalez from Democracy Now! Please don't forget to wear your mask whenever you go out. Protect your family, protect your friends, and protect yourself. Pacifica Radio is doing what it does best. And the rich white companies are jumping the line so they can get access to the vaccine. Covering the global pandemic. I think people need to wake up and recognize that this is a fight against 